Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's like, I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Donald Trump greatly admires Kim Jong-un. He sort of aspires to be sort of a mini, you know, Putin or Kim Jong-un. He wants to be that, have that kind of absolute mm-hmm. power. He claims Kim Jong-un's people just adore him. Well, they have no choice because he'd throw them in a gulag and probably kill them. So what is the message Donald Trump is trying to send by rolling tanks down Constitution Avenue? Who is that message to? It's certainly not to tyrants because he likes tyrants. He loves tyrants. The message is a threat. But it's always a threat when you roll out your military. But it's to whom is the threat? And I suspect that the threat is to his fellow Americans. And I hate to say that, but I think that Donald Trump styles himself a tyrant, not a defeater of tyrants. By the way, the... This is a public event. It's open to the public. The public is welcome to come and celebrate our great country, the greatest democracy, uh, the Constitution, all the amendments, not just the First Amendment that seems to only interest you only, the Second Amendment, all the others, but really just the birth of this country, the greatest democracy that ever lived. I'm not going to allow you to politicize it. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. That's right. Kellyanne Conway is not going to allow the libs to ruin Independence Day like they ruin everything else. Oh, man, it's amazing, isn't it, folks? One of the the great repeating phenomena of the Trump era is the hysterical overreaction from the left about everything and anything that Trump does. Trump has orange juice for breakfast in the White House. Oh, my gosh, Trump is having orange juice like all dictators do. I mean, it's just there's no there's there's no sense of balance, no sense of reality, of normalcy. And here we are going into a a holiday weekend where everybody should be like really excited about the fact that Things are going to be cool, folks. We've got, got a couple days off. Hopefully a lot of you have tomorrow and Friday off. Nice, long weekend, plenty of time to chill, plenty of time to get your bearings. And the last thing we're hearing from a lot of the mainstream media and from the libs out there is, oh my gosh, Trump is becoming a tyrant because there's a parade and there'll be some tanks. Oh no, not tanks. I mean, I grew up in, in Manhattan. And on the Upper East Side, there's a an armory with the with the National Guard post in it, and you know you'd see military vehicles on the streets. You see camouflage Humvees. You see guys walking around in military uniforms. And I don't ever remember saying, "Oh my gosh, there's a Humvee on the Upper East Side. What's going to happen to us?" But we started off the show with uh, Joy Reid, who oh they they still haven't found. You might recall this story. MSNBC host Joy Reid said that the uh, flagrantly homophobic and anti-gay stuff that she had on her blog from 10 years ago was put there by somebody who hacked into the old website that no one even thought about anymore and changed her words around and she was going to get the FBI to investigate. And she didn't get fired. She just waited the controversy out, didn't get fired. So I guess it worked for her. But now she wants to tell us that Trump wants to be a tyrant. He wants to be Kim Jong-un. See, here's, here's where the libs, yet again, another argument that they make that 
with just the most cursory scrutiny, I mean, just with, with a moment's attention, the whole thing falls apart. If Trump is a tyrant like Kim Jong-un, why is it that any one federal judge anywhere in the country is able to stop Trump from doing something and he has never tried to override the system. He's never refused to. He's never refused to go uh, along with the federal a federal court decision. He just has his administration bring a challenge in court and go through the process. And in cases where I think you could make a a really honest argument that the federal a federal judge in question should have no say in what's going on, should have absolutely nothing to do with the issue at hand and, and is making decisions or is, is uh, handing down decisions in bad faith as part of the hashtag resistance. At, at, at what point does the president say, I'm not going to allow any random federal judge to override executive branch policy on a whim? But he's never done that, has he? He's quite far from a dictator. There, there's been no... There's, there's been no dictatorial action to speak of other than him saying that some people at CNN are imbeciles, which is just a statement of fact. And he has a First Amendment right to speak his mind, too. He's the president of the United States. He's allowed to share his opinions and thoughts on things. Where is the government abuse? They always talk about Trump as a tyrant. Oh, there's going to be tanks on the streets. Yeah, th- th- are they really worried that there's well, what's going to happen? This is Trump's big plan to institute martial law. Do they think this is a terrible action movie? You know, one of those like White House Down or what was the other one? Uh, there's, there's been a few of these movies where it's like terrorists take over the White House or something. But Trump's already running the White House. So if he's the bad guy, why is he putting tanks in the streets? This is insane, though. I mean, you have just to give you a sense of some of the. The criticisms out here, some of the things that are being said. I'm trying to find this one. Uh, you know, y- you can't make this stuff up. You had uh, Lawrence Tribe, who's a professor of law up at Har. Oh, here we go. I found it. In response to the the Independence Day parade, where there's going to be some, you know, per, there's going to be some military show. Lawrence Tribe tweeted out today, professor at Harvard, the resemblance to the days before Tiananmen Square is chilling. That's right. Our detention centers, our concentration camps at the southern border, any military presence in an Independence Day parade in D.C. is North Korea-like or Tiananmen Square, and there's going to be an imminent you know, bloodbath and, a, and martial law instituted. Why should we listen to these people about anything anymore? At what point is their judgment so obviously and completely obtuse beyond belief that we don't have to pretend that their opinion should matter on any of these political issues or on Trump? I I, I think we're long since past that. In a similar way, when do we get to just ignore their proclamations about how what Trump is doing is the most frightening, evil, scary thing in all history. Oh, my gosh, it's unprecedented. Well, it's not unprecedented. Oh, my gosh, it's only the, like, fifth time that a president has done this. Well, is that, what about the other presidents who did it? It was a lot of fun today because you had all these libs. Can't help themselves. Tweeting out, oh, my gosh, Trump and the military and the show of force and all these things that are going on. And turns out that other 
presidents, notably Eisenhower uh, had a military parade, JFK had a military parade, I think FDR had a military parade. There have been plenty of times where we had troops going down the street in parade formation and some military vehicles, including tanks. And look, I mean, tanks are kind of cool. I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of tanks. I mean, you've seen one tank, you've seen them all, really. But, you know, they're big, they're loud, they're pretty cool. So if you've never seen one, you know, you're down here in D.C., go go check it out. But does anyone really think that this is something to be afraid of? Wouldn't that also mean that these libs, and I'm not talking about random commenters on some website. These are people with big followings, major purchases in the media, major purchases in academia. Do, do, do they really think that the United States military would open fire on, on innocent Americans on Independence Day? I mean, so otherwise, why would Lawrence Tribe be referring to Tiananmen Square? Why would you have this level of insanity? I mean, the, the military uh, coming through these D.C. neighborhoods shouldn't freak people out. I'm seeing a story here. This was linked on Drudge Report today. Don't panic. Army warns D.C. residents armored vehicles will roll through neighborhoods. Tanks and armored personnel carriers passed through D.C. this week en route to the National Mall. And the military is telling people don't freak out if you see an armored personnel carrier rolling through your neighborhood. Quote, at least two of the Bradley fighting vehicles were placed near the Lincoln Memorial in preparation for President Trump's Salute to America 4th of July event. And there's been some consternation about this. I don't know why people are, are so concerned about it. Um. Do, do they do they get scared when they see somebody in the National Guard with an M16 at an airport? I'm sure some libs do. They probably think it's terrifying. But I I almost feel a, a sense of sadness. Uh, a, a bit of sympathy starts to creep in after a while because I, I do believe that while a lot of libs out there try to make people think that Trump is terrible, Trump is Hitler for their own purposes, and they're doing so in a cynical fashion. They don't really believe this. They just want to create a, a sense of underlying chaos and and an impending sense of doom among as much of the population as they can because of Trump. And that means that they'll say whatever they have to say, even if they don't believe it. But I do think that there are people who would otherwise seem to you to be normal and pretty pretty smart, pretty together, who really think that Trump is some terrible threat to America, that he's never going to give up power, that he is a, a threat to our national security, and, and an existential threat, in fact, an existential threat to this country. You had Democrat candidates standing on stage last week saying that Trump is an existential, that he is the greatest threat to the United States. And I would say that not only is that a reckless, but a deeply stupid and, yes, unpatriotic thing to say. Um, I, I, I don't think that we need to always pretend that there's a good faith criticism from the other side because there isn't. They are in a state of frenzy, a state of hysteria. And I do think it's going to get considerably worse as we get closer to the general election and then in the general election, not just because of the heightened political stakes, but also there is this little sense of panic. Here, here, let me tell you something. Libs have been helping themselves go to sleep at night by repeating fables in their own heads, 
Trump's not really the president. He's an illegitimate president, you see. He colluded with Russia, you see. Mueller's going to finish him off and get him out of office. It's just, I just have to be patient. I just have to be patient. It's only going to be one term, if that. Maybe less than one term. Hmm. What about four more years? That prospect, I can assure you, has not been in the minds of most of the hashtag resistance until now. They have been acting under the assumption that this nightmare for them would come to an end relatively soon. And now that they are seeing the Democratic field such as it is and who is offered up as opposition to President Trump, I do think they are coming to the belated recognition that Trump is going to be very, very difficult to beat. And that means that he may in fact be their president for four more years. And as that gets closer to becoming a reality, there's going to be a greater and greater urgency among the left to think that every act of the president is impending martial law. It's not just tanks on the on the Independence Day parade. It's not just some military procession one holiday, one day of the year here in Washington, D.C. It's going to be everything that he does. They will take the dial to 11 on all Trump actions. They will do everything in their power to create a sense of doom among the general public, if they can, were Trump to be reelected. They will take this to a level that is completely deranged. And that is, that is what Trump derangement syndrome does to people. That's why it's such an apt name. That's why it's so important that we all realize what it is, what is at the heart of it. This is a mental disorder now. This is, this is a, a problem that cannot just be fixed by the presentation of facts and rational discussion. The anti-Trump libs, as we see, even as we come together as a country to celebrate Independence Day here in Washington, D.C. and across the rest of the nation, the anti-Trump libs can't even take a chill, take a breath, and enjoy Independence Day without coming up with some crazy story about how this is the worst thing ever. The Trump is the worst president ever. How could he do this military procession? Well, it turns out a bunch of other presidents did it. Didn't lead to martial law. Wasn't a big deal. And why are libs so afraid of one day a year seeing some, some military vehicles in a procession down a street in the context of a celebration of pride and patriotism in this country? Why is that so deeply offensive to them? I mean, I hate parades, so I'm not even a parade guy. But I'm not scared by this. They think that our military would turn on the American people just because Trump said so? They really believe that? I think the answer is yes, they do believe that. Which is, which is, which is crazy, sad, and a little dangerous too because some of the people who believe that want to be in power. They want to replace this president with someone who shares their ideology of utter madness. We'll get into some more of this of course, throughout the course of the show. Oh, man, last show before we all go on a little bit of a vacay, folks. So we got we got a lot of ground to cover. Um, be sure to send me your thoughts at facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. A lot of fantastic guests today on the show. Tommy Laren's got a new book. Tommy's an old buddy of mine from The Blaze. She'll be joining later on. Jesse Kelly. I know you all love Jesse Kelly. Everyone loves Jesse Kelly. He's fantastic of the Jesse Kelly Show, and Tyler Merritt, great guy, CEO of Nine Line Apparel. He's going to tell us about 
Chief Eddie Gallagher, that Navy SEAL who faced all those charges, who beat almost all of them. He talks to Gallagher on a regular basis. He's going to let us know what's going on. So, team, we've got that and more coming up. Stay with me. Those people who are online making fun of members of Congress are a disgrace. And there's no need for anyone to think that is unacceptable. We're going to shut them down and work with whoever it is to shut them down and they should be prosecuted. You cannot intimidate members of Congress, threaten members of Congress. It is against the law and it's a shame in this United States of America. (laughs) Oh man, that's a Democrat, Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. Oh man, I just, I honestly, sometimes I just want to... (laughs) Sometimes I just want to play a clip for you, and I don't even know, oh man, I don't even know if if I need to say anything about it other than just, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You can't make fun of members of Congress online, or you should be shut down and and thrown in prison. (laughs) Uh, Who votes for her? Who, Who goes in... To a voting booth and says, yeah, that lady with the one that always wears the like the cowboy hat. I'm going to vote for her. Oh, man. Good times. But, you know, they never say that she's a threat to the First Amendment. She straight up says if you you criticize members of Congress, uh, you you might get you might need to get shut down and sent to prison. I, I would just say to you all right now, as we head into Independence Day, I know it's not Thanksgiving, but there's a sense of how we should be thankful over this holiday because thankful to be Americans. Also, for almost all of you listening, well, not all of you, I guess you'd be thankful that uh, Congress Congresswoman Frederica Wilson is, is not your congresswoman, that's for sure. <laughs> She's amazing. We'll be right back. People like AOC create the disaster, refuse to fix it, vote against funding to help people, and then go down there to attack the people who are who are saying to her, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough facilities, the law doesn't work, why don't you go back and fix it? And I just think her attitude and her approach is, and I use these words literally, she is a viciously dishonest person. You have a man and his daughter dying in the river because the Democrats in Congress refuse to fix the law, refuse to control the border, refuse to pass humanitarian aid. Uh, it is It is truly despicable to watch people like this operate, and I think she should be shamed over it. I think people should say, this is not tolerable. Uh, that, that's not the kind of person that the news media, frankly, ought to be covering because she's so dishonest. Newt couldn't be more correct, folks. Newt is really, really hitting a home run there. He's just nailing it. What AOC did, this is not just, oh, I disagree with this person, which obviously I do and then some. What she did is despicable. It was disgraceful. In order to give political cover to her party for its complicity, really its encouragement of this migrant crisis at our southern border, she showed up with a predetermined agenda in order to ambush the overworked and underpaid men and women of our Border Patrol to make them seem like monsters, to make Border Patrol seem like they are savages who would tell migrant women to drink out of a toilet bowl. 
Let me ask you this. Do you think that there is any member of Border Patrol who would do that? Or or here's maybe a better way of putting it. If any member of Border Patrol did that and one of their colleagues found out, do you think that person would still have a job in a day? It's so beyond the pale. It's so horrific. And we know that AOC was at a, at a minimum exaggerating what she was seeing. And she may have just been completely falsifying it altogether. I mean, she may have just been making it up as she went along. We, we, why would we expect any more from her than that? This is a woman who doubles down on calling these facilities concentration camps. This is a person who recognizes that she has accrued quite a bit of political capital, a tremendous amount of power at a very young age, and does not have anywhere near the wisdom she should, even if she's coming from this left-of-center perspective, to control and to wield that political power as an adult. She is the Prince Joffrey from Game of Thrones of the Democratic Party. They are all a little bit scared of her because she has too much power and not nearly enough wisdom, not nearly the wisdom required to wield it responsibly. And I just get angry. I honestly am angry about what she did to our Border Patrol, what she did to the men and women who are trying to do that job every day. Because I've been down there, I've talked to them too, and I know what the overall truth of their efforts are, which is that they are serving you and me, my friends. They are trying to keep this country safe. They are trying to enforce our laws. And they are doing what is increasingly not just a thankless, but a job that is pushing them into public disrepute in left-wing circles. They are now targeted for harassment, openly in editorials published in the most prestigious and prominent papers in America. They are finding themselves increasingly told that they are the bad guys for doing what the law says they should be doing. And some of the people calling them bad guys, like Ocasio-Cortez, are the very people who have the power to pass or rescind laws about immigration. You know, there's there's so much that is wrong with what we are seeing here. If if really the border situation, if Democrats would just be honest about it, they should push for the repeal of the laws that they will not enforce. But leaving laws on the books that they that just are never allowed to be enforced and that they will criticize those law enforcement officials who try to do their duty by those laws. This creates an undermining effect for our, our entire system. And it also doesn't allow the public to accurately weigh what both sides want and what they're trying to achieve here. Ocasio-Cortez is a disgrace. She's beloved by the progressives that I know. Absolutely beloved. Because she represents something to them. She is representative of the of a, a young, Latino, female, Marxist, far-left, hard-left, in-your-face, combative, social justice warrior, harnessing the power of the state to rub everyone's face in it when she can 
on any issue of cultural or political or economic importance. Just, it's not enough to get her way. She has to get her way and then humiliate those who disagreed with her. And progressives love this. They think this is fantastic. I hope that there will be some accountability for the things that she said. There are at least some in Border Patrol who were willing to come out and say, oh, Chief Aaron Hall, I, I know, she, I, I remember Chief Aaron Hall from when I was down there. Here's what he says about these uh, allegations about the facilities in El Paso. Play clip five. The allegations are not accurate. It is true that we have more aliens in custody than we were designed to hold. But our facilities are inspected constantly by DHS and CBP oversight entities. It was inspected January, February, March, April, June, and again yesterday. The inspection yesterday was by the CBP chief accountability officer under the Flores settlement. Uh, it's not a secret how we're caring for people. And we've said time and time again that we are maintaining with the law, with the court requirements, and their own agency policies. However, our challenge is that we have so many people that we're apprehending for which we were not designed to hold those people, and they, they, our time in custody remains longer because we can't hand them over to ICE and Health and Human Services because they have their own uh, resource constraints, and the aliens tend to build up in our custody. I know that you and that's really what this is about. Say, look, they're doing what they can. It's a difficult situation, but they're not concentration camps. And, and another part of this that just cannot be allowed to stand, this cannot be a part of the narrative that, that lingers out there, that somehow Border Patrol officers just don't care, just have, have not an ounce of sympathy, not an ounce of decency in them when it comes to these migrants that are showing up, and their children, in many cases, very, very young children. That's just a lie. That is just a lie, and that AOC would go on TV and, and say things that she knew was just meant to gut the men and women of Border Patrol on their mission and just to just kick them, you know, as hard as she could in the ribs with, with the way that she was presenting what they were doing down there. She is a disgrace, a total disgrace. And I, I, mean, I couldn't agree with Newt Gingrich more. What she did is, is vicious lies, vicious lies. Uh, that that we don't even know what the long-term implications of it will be. But she's been all along. She's been sa saying that, you know, abolish ICE. Abolish ICE. Okay, what happens then? You know, these people, remember, they're very quick to call for the force of the federal government. They're very quick to call for men with guns when they can to force you to do things that you may not want to do that they think are important. They have no problem with inflicting state authority on you for any number of agenda items. I often talk to you about how I think that we are we're going to find ourselves at a place where th there'll be a lot of people who are just not going to comply with with tax laws because the federal government's going to have to make an argument at some point if immigration law is not enforced and doesn't count why should tax law there's no there's no there, no one is harmed by me not paying my taxes oh the state is harmed well the state is harmed by the violation of its sovereignty and the violation of immigration laws there's no victim there's no one who can show up in court and say, well, Buck Sexton, if he doesn't pay his taxes, I can't feed myself. So why is it any different? What happens if Republican prosecutors start to say, you know what, we're just not going to, you know, pay the taxes that you think are fair. We're, we're not going to enforce this anymore. They put people through hell, by the way. 
based on a tax code that we know is not just opaque, it is essentially undecipherable and is meant to be a refuge for all kinds of special dealing and and self-dealing and corruption. But immigration law is a complete, uh, that's just a suggestion. You, You don't have to, you don't have to actually, you know, enforce these laws. And as we go into Independence Day, as we go into our 4th of July weekends, just note that this problem has not been dealt with at all. It's not getting better. It is only getting worse. And that brings me to this story. This is from the uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. And once this starts to happen, then I do believe you will see uh, a, a real change in public sentiment. And, and there'll be a recognition that this is this is not just a kind of sort of maybe crisis. This is an all-out crisis. This is from the Center for Immigration Studies. The next influx, the entire world's poor and dispossessed. Tens of thousands of, quote, exotics and extracontinentals from around the globe are moving through Panama. This was just published two days ago. Like the proverbial belly in the bulge of the snake, unusually high numbers of non-Latino migrants, obviously not from Central America, are now reportedly passing from Colombia through Panama on their way to the U.S. southern border. Their numbers range to the tens of thousands, uh, whose vanguards have already been seen at the U.S. southern border uh, in recent months. You have Cameroonians, Ghanaians, Congolese, Haitians, Cubans, and some from the Middle East. Word of successful entries in the United States this year has reached countries around the world, and the swell has reached a number as high as 35,000 on the migrant passage, repeating the steps, essentially, of those who have already made their way to our southern border. Uh, Friends, this is... This is a problem. What happens when the migrants are now, it's a, it's a global, a truly global phenomenon. It's not that hard to get a, a visa to go visit Panama or not that hard to get a visa to Colombia and then just make your way up. Just keep going. Just say you're heading to America. None of these countries are going to stop you. You're heading to America. You're going to go to America. You're going to claim asylum. 5,000 here, 10,000 there. This starts to add up really fast, doesn't it? We're already on track for a million a year. What if it's going to be a million five? What if it is two million? What happens then? What is the long-term economic, what are the long-term economic implications of a, an, an effectively open border? Democrats have no answers for this. All they have is the emotional manipulation of people like AOC who are trashing the people on the front lines trying to deal with this crisis, a crisis that has been made through decades of bipartisan illegal immigration inaction, lack of courage, lack of conviction, a Congress that sits on its hands and refuses to do anything to deal with this crisis. It's it's a disaster, a disaster, folks. Given President Trump's mean-spirited and often bigoted attitudes on immigration, It pains me to say this, but he is right that the United States faces a crisis with its asylum system. 
Democrats might hope that the out-of-control situation at the southern border undermines Trump's image among his base as a tough guy who can tackle immigration, but they should be careful. It could actually work to the president's advantage. Since 2014, the flow of asylum seekers into the United States has skyrocketed. Last year, immigration courts received 162,000 asylum claims, a 240% increase from 2014. Even Fareed Zakaria knows that this is a this is a big problem in the asylum system. This is exploitation, folks. This is people who understand what the laws are and are finding ways to benefit from those laws by lying, by breaking regulations, by not showing up for hearings they agree to show up for. It's just a free for all. And Democrats won't admit it. They won't, they won't say this is a problem. They say, oh, no, they have a right to go through the process. No, we know they have a right to go through the process. They're not going through the process honestly and in good faith. This is a system, folks, set up for people who are really fleeing oppression, who are really fleeing violence, who, if they were to return home, might very well realistically face a firing squad or torture and then a firing squad or perhaps even their entire family being executed. That's why we have the asylum process we do. That's why we take in the refugees we do. It's not because your uncle lives here and you want to make sure that you get access to Obamacare and whatever other federal benefits you get and our you know, better economy and better rule of law. You know, at some point, there has to be recognition that what makes America, America are the people here. You know, if you replaced America, all of us, with 320 million Chinese, we wouldn't be America anymore. Right? And if you overwhelm the assimilation systems that we have in place, the social and cultural and economic assimilation that we've been engaged in for a long time, if you overwhelm them, if you inundate them, there will be consequences. There will be disunity in this country. There will be separations that are not able to be easily mended or healed. And this is where we're heading for. And Democrats are just either delusional about it or they're laughing about it or they're benefiting from it. It has to stop. People have known all along. I've been saying all along, we know what they're doing with this asylum process. We know why they're claiming that you know, they're going to show up for these hearings. And like, of course they're not. Of course they're not. And they're using the generosity. These migrants are, are abusing the generosity of the American people for their own purposes. And, I, and I'm sorry, but there needs to be consequence for this. This needs to stop. And the only way you get it to stop is by making it unappealing and by punishing those who break the law through this process. And if Democrats won't do that, then they need to just admit what they are, which is open borders. And if they want to be an open borders country, I don't want to pay taxes anymore. Because what really is this country? What does it even mean? What does it mean to be a citizen? What's the benefit? Tommy Lahren's coming up. Stay with me. All right, team, just in time for the 4th of July. Also known as Independence Day. We, of course, have our friend Tommy Lahren joining us now. Tommy Lahren uh, is a Fox News contributor and now an author... An author, and she is the author of Never Play Dead, a new book that just came out. Tommy, what's the latest and greatest? Well, Buck, since the last time I've seen you, I got engaged literally 
probably less than 24 hours after I last saw you. So you must be my good luck charm. Best wishes. And yeah, I got to say, I do bring all the good luck and all the good things happen. But the people listening to the show hopefully already know that. All right, Tommy, never play dead. Cool title. You're Tommy Lara, and they're expecting big things, therefore, in this book. What is this book? This book is a little bit of everything, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, Buck, you and I go way back from our days at the Blaze. I know you don't have Blaze PTSD as much as I have Blaze PTSD, but (laughs) some of the things in the book kind of take a look at that and some of the things that I went through, you know, on my wonderful exit from that former network. So that's what really prompted me to write the book, mostly because, I think that there are a lot of, especially young people, millennials, who don't feel like they can fight back, don't feel like they have a voice, and I had to find my voice very quickly, not only because I was fired, but because most people aren't aware, you and I were really the only Trump supporters in that network for a long time, even after the election. So, never play dead in all sense of the word. Yep, that is that is a true thing. I remember the discussions about that in Dallas. A couple times, Glenn looking at me and saying, so you support Trump, you and Tommy. <laughs> it was like, I don't think he meant it in a good way. But anyway, yeah, so we were there. We had that going on. But, you know, Tommy, I know a lot of, particularly a lot of um, millennial women that uh, either listen to my show or, or that I, I come across in yeah, at different uh, events, you know, here in D.C. and across the country, they, they they look to you as someone who speaks for them but is but is fierce I guess you, you could I think this is what the cool kids say you know you've got what what advice do you have and what 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 did you learn from this process that particularly for the young women out there with what they're gonna face being conservatives in America these days uh, what should they know well it's just like you know men I, I don't like to always just tailor my message to women but I do think if I'm gonna put my feminist hat on for a moment, which I don't own one, so that's going to be difficult. (laughs) I don't own a pink hat. But uh, I will say, it is sometimes harder for women to find their voice, especially conservative women, because the entire feminist movement has cast us out and said, you can't sit with us. You're not woman enough if you're not a liberal. If you're not marching around the streets hissing at men, you're not, you know, female empowerment. And I say BS on that. And I believe that young conservative women, not only are we really the backbone of the millennial generation, but we're going to be big in a voting block coming up in the next election. And we have to learn how to get out there and make our voices heard. And we have to stop being so much the silent majority and get a little bit louder. And that's just not even women. That's conservatives in general. We have to stop cowering in the corner. We have to be proud of who we are. And sometimes that even means that conservatives, the never Trumpers, as you and I both know, they're going to come at us too. So we need to be able to be strong, stand firm, have rhinos, thick skin, and be able to take on the battle that's coming our way. Where are we making gains in the culture war in your mind? Or at least where, where do you see reasons, reasons for hope? Well, you know, I think that Hollywood, of course, has been dominated by the left. So I don't know what kind of a foothold we're going to get there. But we are entering culture. And, and the more young people that get involved in the movement, that's how we kind of take culture back. But for me, and I think the same for you, when I talk about conservatism, I stay away from the social issues. I don't think that that's where we're going to necessarily win young people. I think we win young people by talking about freedom and limited government. I think that's a message that resonates with young people and really of Americans of all ages. We feel like we can handle our lives better than the federal government, and we want less of our tax dollars to go to the swamp. So that is the message 
that's going to carry through. And if we stick with freedom, we don't have to combat Hollywood because freedom wins all. Speaking to Tommy Laren, Fox News contributor, author of Never Play Dead. It's out now. You guys can order it on Amazon or in fine bookstores, wherever you go to the bookstore. Tommy, you've spent a lot of time at the border. Uh, you've actually done frontline reporting in the last year down there a number of times. Uh, I've been down there. I've been trying to raise as as much attention uh, about what's what's happening as, as I can. I know you've been doing the same. We've got a bit of a paradox here because the border is the worst that it has probably been in our lifetimes. Uh, but we also have a president who ran on securing the border, building a wall and changing this paradigm. So what should we think about that? Or, or how do you think about that as we're heading into uh, the election season? And obviously, a lot of Trump supporters are going to have to make determinations about how they feel about that. Well, I think we need a wall. And I've always said that. And our president knows that. And he's gone to great lengths to try to get that wall built. But Unfortunately, he doesn't have the support. And when I say great lengths, I mean, for goodness sakes, he had to declare a state of emergency um, to even reallocate funding to get more of the wall built. But besides just the wall, we need to get these asylum, these asylum laws changed, because that's the biggest issue that we're facing right now. And I know, you know, AOC and the rest of them like to draw attention to these detention camps and these, these processing centers. You know, our Border Patrol agents are doing the very best that they can. They only have so much space. They only have so much resources. And then I remind people, AOC, who went to cry her crocodile tears at the detention center, you know, she voted against humanitarian aid. She doesn't want to give resources to CBP. So I asked her if she doesn't think that CBP deserves resources, she doesn't want to give ICE any resources, she doesn't want to secure the border, what does she want? Does she want to add illegal immigrants to the, the tents and the tent city encampments that I see in California every day? Because I know I sure as heck don't. They're just so tone deaf when it comes to the actual crisis. At least they're admitting it's a crisis, but their solution to the crisis is open borders, and that's not going to work for us. Tommy, what is, for you, the biggest success that the Trump administration has had so far, and what has been, to date, keeping in mind that this could change, especially in the next term, but to date, the biggest uh, disappointment so far? biggest accomplishment is the economy, because that's something that touches all Americans. You don't have to like President Trump to be doing well in his economy and I know that uh, people like Joe Biden are going to try to give Obama credit for that. No, sorry, it doesn't work that way. This is all because of President Trump deregulation, cutting red tape, empowering small business owners. That's really where it is. And a tax cut for 80% of Americans is certainly helpful. So I think that's his biggest accomplishment. And I, I think the biggest downfall, and it's not his fault, is just being able to secure that border. And he's doing everything that he can. I mean, he needs to get the right people in the right places. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Tom Holman, but he's a former acting director of ICE. He's also a Fox News contributor, but he's got the right stuff. And I hope that he gets in a position because he's a bulldog, and that's what we need. We need well, someone know, that's going to go in and handle business. I, I do feel some, some freedom to, to try and always uh, call balls and strikes with the president based on his own agenda and his own promises, because, one, I, I think we have an obligation to do that. I think we always need to be honest about where he's succeeding and where he needs more attention, but also there's really no danger of uh, being too harsh with the criticism from our own side with this president because the other side is completely insane. So I feel like that's the good news. <laughs> it's not like they're really an option. Well, no, they're not an option at all. And I don't know about yourself, but I have quite a few you know, liberal friends. And uh, if I ask them just very honestly, who are you excited about in 2020? They look at me like a deer in the headlights. They have no idea. I mean, their candidate pool is so bad. And, you know, they like to poke fun at us back when we were dealing with the 2016 election and, and running up to it. 
that we had so many candidates, and we did, but we had all pretty great candidates. I don't know what they're pulling from there. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that Marianne Williamson or whatever the heck her name is. I think they pulled her out of the crowd to participate in that last debate, but uh, she might have been the best one there. So, sadly, that's what they have to deal with. I, uh, I wish them the best of luck. I almost hope they find somebody who's at least a contender because this is going to be too easy and we don't Do you like think it'll be Kamala? Oh, geez. You know, I live in California, so I think once they start digging into her actual record as, you know, a California senator, which she's done nothing, but, you know, as attorney general and some of the things that she did prior to her, you know, real political career and kind of the way that she elevated herself, if you will, uh, via Willie Brown, um, the whole Me Too movement is going to have to answer for that one. There's some very uh, suspicious things that went on there. But no, I don't think the people in Iowa, the people in Michigan, the people in Ohio, I don't think that they're going to buy what she's selling. The only thing that elevated her in the polls and what we're seeing now is because people didn't watch the debates. They're looking at sound bites where she went after Biden for busing. And they think that that's great and they're applauding her. But outside of that, she has nothing. Tommy, before we let you go and enjoy your 4th of July uh, holiday weekend, what do you want people to take away from Never Play Dead, your book, which is out now, everyone? Well, it's kind of my tagline. I think we should stop worrying about who we might offend and start paying more attention to who we might inspire. That's what I've always looked to do. And uh, I think the conservative movement in some ways has been hijacked by grifters who were looking to make a quick buck out of a mega hat. That's not me. That's not you. I want people to read this book so they can really find their grit and stand up for themselves and do it because that's what they believe in and know why they believe in it. So I, I hope everyone will check it out. It's a great read for back to school as well for those college kids who don't know how to battle the liberal professors and the liberal propaganda that they're going to come up against. I can teach she's them how to do it. A, she's a patriot. She's fierce. She's Tommy Lahren, everybody. Never Play Dead is the book. Check it out. Tommy, uh, give, my, give my best to the hubs-to-be, and thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I'll get a wedding invite to you as soon as I figure out all those details. It's probably going to be a year. But Bucky will be there. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. I'll be there. Thanks so much, Tommy. Thank you. Team will that be right story back. of independence uh, is not something that happens and then we just put away. And it involves us uh, recognizing that there's still people in this country who are going hungry. And that they're not free because of that. There, there's still people in this country who can't find work. For just as we remain a nation of laws, we have to remain a nation of immigrants. And we celebrate the principles that are timeless. Tenants first declared by men of property and wealth, but which gave rise to what Lincoln called a new birth of freedom in America. Civil rights and voting rights, workers' rights and women's rights, and the rights of every American. I have these vague recollections of when Republicans were saying Obamacare would kill jobs and crush freedom and bring about death panels. And turns out we're still celebrating the 4th of July. Well, do you miss any of that, folks? I just want to bring you back to a little bit of a uh, little bit of memory lane there with Obama. What it was like when he was president on Fourth of July—the kind of stuff you'd have to hear, the sort of speeches you'd have to listen to, the Obama jokes about different things—and um, you know, we're in a, we're in a different we're in a different zone now with our Fourth of July celebrations, aren't we? We're a different feeling about it. Uh, look, I'm not going to pretend like the president doesn't also say all kinds of this president doesn't say political stuff and doesn't take shots at the other side. He obviously does. But 
it just feels like there's uh, a bit of a, a greater cultural acceptance here of pride in America when you have a president who clearly thinks that this is the best country in the world, no question about it, and not because he's the president, which was always something in the background with Obama, that, that part of the, the, the greatness of America was a, a temporary thing and a conditional thing on Obama being elected president. That seemed like a, a, quite a narcissistic view of the situation. But look, Obama's a narcissist, Trump's a narcissist. I, I think you have to be at some level to be president of the United States, to deal with all of this, to be willing to put yourself through that. Um, but, you know, that's that was the way that, that uh, President Obama used to speak about the, uh, the the Fourth of July. Here's how, just just by way of of comparison, here's how President Trump speaks about Fourth of July or Independence Day. Which I know a lot of you are going to correct me on that. Okay, I'm saying them both. I'm covering all the bases. Uh, play clip one. We're going to have a great Fourth of July in Washington D.C. It'll be like no other. It'll be special, and I hope a lot of people come. And it's going to be uh, about this country, and it's a salute to America. And I'm going to be here, and I'm going to say a few words, and we're going to have planes going overhead, the best fighter jets in the world, and other planes, too. And we're going to have some tanks stationed outside. It's going to be quite a spectacle, folks. Uh, I wonder how many of you listening here are going to be in the district, in, in Washington, where I am. But it's going to be some interesting stuff going on. A lot of Fourth of July situation happening here in dc so that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool uh and and i i do think that it'll be a great time and president trump is gonna be his trump-tastic self throughout all the all of the pomp and circumstance it's gonna be here but this is this is our national holiday folks i feel like we should get into it a little bit you know we should enjoy ourselves and and have some let, let, let down our our national hair so to speak uh, but that's what I see happening here with the Trump 4th of July ceremony that's going to happen tomorrow. And I love this. This is from the uh, the Babylon Bee. Imperial ATATs begin arriving in the Capitol for military parade. <laughs> Some of you probably know what the ATAT is. I don't know. Not that many of you. Remember those, those big, like, four-legged walker things like the giant super tanks with four legs that walk from Star Wars. Mark, do you know what the ATAT is? Oh, Mark can't Mark's busy cutting up audio right now. All right, Mark. Fine, fine. But that was Babylon B. Babylon B is pretty good these days. Get get some stuff done. Uh I do think that it is uh, very important for all of us to make sure that this is a time when we don't just celebrate America but we appreciate appreciate what it means for all of us to be Americans, right? So we get to run around and enjoy ourselves. And and this is look, it's, it's a great country, folks. It's a great time to be alive. Great time to be in America. There's no no question about it. And that's why that that poll that came out this week that showed that there are so many people that don't like this country and they're libs overwhelming. I mean if you if you really if you're in America, if you are an American and you don't like this country, chances are you're a lib. Uh the overwhelming likelihood is that you're a lib. And that just that just makes me well, at some level that that's just sad. It's just sad. It makes me sad. But also 
I'd like to ask them what it would take for them to be proud of their country. You know, would they be proud if they lived in a different country? And what would that country be? You know, no one says that this is is a perfect place at all. It's not perfect. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a radio show if it were perfect. We've got a lot of things to talk about. We have a lot of problems to fix, many, many issues to uh, delve into and battles to wage. And to be sure, all that's true. But the same way that you can love a family member despite all of his or her flaws, but truly love a family member uh, regardless. Can't you love your country? I mean, is, isn't, it, isn't it acceptable to know that this is an imperfect nation but still think that it's the greatest nation and be, and be thankful for it and, and celebrate the fact that we're not some third-tier former colony of Great Britain that nobody ever really thinks about? I mean, it, it was the genius of the American founding that led us to this point. It was the incredible patriots not just of the founding but generations of patriots who fought for this country who built this country uh, that made it a place where now we all walk around in incredible freedom and let's be honest luxury prosperity it's an amazing place folks so yeah i love america the freedom hut is very pro-america that is for sure and so is president trump god bless him so hopefully i'll get a chance to enjoy some of his festivities tomorrow on behalf of america Team, I brought you the breaking news yesterday of the uh, Eddie Gallagher situation. He was uh, able to beat all of the charges leveled against him, save one, which was by far the most minor charge. He is not guilty of premeditated murder, not guilty of a number of other more serious charges. So effectively, uh, a, an acquittal almost across the board here, acquittal on all serious charges, all real, real felony level charges, if you will, for the civilian world. Um, but we wanted to bring on our friend Tyler Merritt, who many of you know as the CEO of Nine Line Apparel. He's also been following this case very closely and has been in touch frequently with Chief Gallagher, former Navy SEAL or current Navy SEAL, rather, uh, Eddie Gallagher. So let's let's bring in Tyler on this one. We'll talk about some other things, too. Tyler, always great to have you, my friend. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me back, man. All right, so let's let's just get into this. What what this, this verdict came down? The jury slapped down all these different charges by the prosecution. Said, "No, sorry, we we do not we do not agree with uh, with the the government here that Eddie Gallagher m- murdered this ISIS fighter." Um, what what were your first thoughts when it was when it was clear that finally Eddie Gallagher wasn't facing the rest of his life in prison? Well, it's hard to disagree with facts. And that's what uh, Tim Parlatone came to me uh, with a, a few months ago. He said, hey, listen, I've got this guy. Uh, and at this point, he was not the, the, the lead uh, defense counsel. He was kind of second chair. Got this guy, <clears throat> gave me the information, kind of uh, brought me in to see the video and all the evidence that everyone at this point was saying, hey, they've, there's this classified video. It's really bad. It's really damaging, but you can't see it. It's classified. Uh, luckily for clearances and being an expert witness, uh, as to what happens when munitions are dropped on ISIS terrorists, <clears throat> I was able to watch this video, and it was very clear that uh, Eddie was told by this Iraqi general, keep this boy alive. You know, we just dropped bombs on him. This boy, this military-aged male, was just uh, dropped a, a bunch of bombs on him and killed a lot of his friends, and he survived. You know, we were tracking him. You were in the CIA. You understand his device that he carried. We just tracked it and, and dropped bombs. Well, while they're being told 
to keep this guy alive. The, the medic there, he knew what would happen. Uh, this this military's male would be tortured until he got more information and then be killed. The Iraqi general said so much. Uh, and, and so he decided on a mercy kill. And then decided to gang up with a few other individuals and, and form a modern-day coup d'etat within the Navy SEAL military ranks uh, and and what you would consider in Vietnam era fratricide, just more cowardice. They said, hey, Eddie Gallagher, a year ago, he, uh, he killed this child, this, this prisoner. And, and it's just a false narrative. It was a way to get this individual they did not like uh, out of the chain of command. These are millennial SEALs. They've, I already know personally, they've been ousted from SEAL Team 6, the one member who's there, uh, and they're a disgrace to the uniform. Eddie Gallagher, think about this, 20 years of active duty service in naval special warfare, almost went to prison for the rest of his life had it not been for the intervention of the president, the intervention of Fox News, the intervention of many others. Uh, th- th- this could have been a travesty. Why do you think the system had gone against him up to this point. I mean, fortunately, the, the verdict came down in his favor. Uh, but why Why was the government, why was the military set on sending this decorated SEAL to prison for, as you put it, the rest of his life? It's the jump on the bandwagon mentality. When Donald Trump intervenes and then Hillary Clinton pipes up and says this is despicable, this individual is despicable. You know, what they're doing and trying to pardon him is despicable with no knowledge and facts or evidence of the case. It, people just read the clickbait. They don't actually read the substance. There's still so many false narratives out there. The, the bottom line is this individual, this decorated war hero, still is going to face administrative actions, and they still could, could really mess with him. They've already taken away his pay. They've already reduced him in rank, which, just so you know, the charge of taking a picture with a deceased corpse, there was over a dozen people there, to include officers. No charges brought against them, just Eddie Gallagher. Why are we doing this? I hope that President Trump still intervenes and, and, and pardons him. And if not, the $2,600, which is half his pay, that they're, they're taking away per month, uh, Nineline's going to pay for it as a big FU to this system, and I hope that there's a review of the UCMJ and this procedure because a, a grave injustice was done against a true hero. I mean, you you come from the special operations community. I know some of your your uh, coworkers and, and colleagues at Nine Line do as well. Was there a pretty resounding support for Chief Gallagher from within that community for the people that were following this case? I'll tell you. In the very beginning, the narrative was Navy SEAL kills child that was the new york times reporter that piece of you know what that that decided to spew this false narrative not look into any of the facts and create uh, a hatred towards this individual who has children who's got a wife and they get to wake up and read navy seal kills child you know they they, they had their house raided on 9-11 and brought out in their underwear taking this guy to, to prison while he was uh, getting psychiatric, psychiatric treatment for PTS. You know, th- this is a movie that you hope is just f- fictional, but it's not. A- a- and I can't believe it occurred. We're speaking to our friend Tyler Merritt, CEO of Nine Line Apparel. He's telling us about what's what's been going on here with this Eddie Gallagher case, which has mostly come to an end now. But as Tyler points out, there's still some ramifications of it for, for Chief Gallagher and his family. Before we, we uh, switch topics, Tyler, just how's Chief Gallagher doing? 
he's in very high spirits. You know what? It, it, it's the same thing with our severely wounded guys out there. You know, our warriors are very resilient. Put him in jail for nine months, almost put him in jail for the rest of his life, and you know what he's saying today? I would not give up one day of military servitude in the Navy SEALs. It's a great group of individuals with a few bad apples. NCIS, great group of individuals, a few bad apples. JAG Corps, same thing. Those few bad apples, they need to be dealt with. There has to be repercussions within the system, and it has to be reviewed now. Now, Tyler, I, I want to ask also about the Betsy Ross flag controversy with Colin Kaepernick because you at Nine Line, and oh, by the way, I don't know if folks saw today, but Eddie uh, Chief Gallagher was on TV wearing a Nine Line, Nine Line T-shirt. I, I was wearing a Nine Line T-shirt last weekend uh, on an Instagram post, so people said, "Wow, you actually really do wear the gear." Yes, in fact, I do wear the gear. But you do gear for a living, and Betsy Ross flags are apparently a problem for Nike. What I understand, though, is that. Betsy Ross flag's not a problem at all for nine lines. So what's going on? No, not since circa 19 or sorry, 2015 is about the first Betsy Ross inspired apparel collection we came up with, uh, kind of our old glory collection. And, and it was never considered racist or controversial. I, I've been selling them every single day since then. I actually saw a picture of president Obama during his inauguration with the, uh, the, the Betsy Ross flag in the background. So I'm confused. I'm very confused at how I become labeled a racist by some. I'm confused how this becomes controversial because you have one ignorant keyboard warrior uh, by the name of Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I, I, I equate to this guy to the person who lives in their grandmother's basement playing uh, World of Warcraft. No offense to guys who play World of Warcraft, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a connection there. He wants to tweet out. Some really tough guy things about, uh, you know, this is racist, this is controversial, and then never engage in commentary, never do an interview, never back up his assertions with facts. And now people are jumping on that same put Eddie Gallagher in jail for life bandwagon that Betsy Ross flag equates to racism for this just insane connection that is made between some individuals. I don't even want to highlight it because it doesn't make sense. Um, but you know what? Ever since we've highlighted that we are selling these shirts, I think we've sold 10,000 today. So there's obviously a large group of Americans who feel strongly that the Betsy Ross bag is, is not actually uh, racist or should not be controversial. It should be celebrated. The time that we broke away from the tyranny oppression of England and we all, different races, ethnicities, came together to fight for liberty. That's my opinion. And as we go off in Fourth of uh, Fourth of July celebrations, Tyler, uh, what are you going to be doing? What are you planning? And what do you want to say to everybody across the country as we celebrate our independence and kicking King George's butt? Man, this is a time to reflect with your family and to sit back and understand that you live in the greatest country on earth, and you've been to some of the crappiest countries on earth, as I know I have. And every time I hear people complain about what I consider first world problems, I try to have them understand just how lucky we are. But we're only that lucky now because of the individuals who fought for those freedoms from the very beginning all the way till now. And we should celebrate and honor them. Tyler Merritt, everybody, former special operations Tyler Merritt and also current CEO of Nine Line Apparel. You can check out their Betsy Ross flag designs on their apparel anytime you want at NineLineApparel.com. Tyler, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Happy Independence Day. Team, we'll be right back.
13 stars, right? That's right, um, the Betsy, the Betsy Ross, Ross flag. Uh, and uh, then they became concerned. They got some complaints from Colin Kaepernick, who said, hey, that's being associated with some unsavory characters, perhaps, uh, you know, the uh, white supremacists and so on and so forth. And they changed, they reversed course. Yeah, well, you know, and I was glad to see that. And um, my hope is that, that they didn't just do it to do it, that they understand the significance there. And look, there are a lot of things in our history that are still very painful the confederate flag that still flies in some places uh... and is used as a symbol and uh... i believe that we need to move toward an inclusive america that understands that pain you know these are things that people say that sound good to libs as they're being said but if anyone actually spends some time to think about it it does not make sense at all it's really senseless. This uh, controversy over the Betsy Ross flag, I mean, that was uh, that was Julian Castro or Julian Castro, who I don't even think is going to make it into the next debate. I'm hearing he's not going to have the necessary donors and, and other people that have to be lined up for this. But this is the most ridiculous, most intellectually dishonest and just stupid controversy imaginable there is nothing racist about the betsy ross flag unless you just believe that anything from that era of america is also tainted with racism but then we have to change the names of all of our major cities then we and and when does that stop just just wait until finally the country realizes that abortion is the mass mass murder is a genocide of of the unborn and maybe then we'll have to change the names of everything. You know, I, I do think there'll come a time in the future. I don't know when it will be when the American people will finally across the board. I know many of you all realize this now, but that, that this is a as as dark a stain on our history as anything else that you could imagine. And we will want to come to grips with that and deal with that. But I don't think that we're going to be saying, oh, we need to change the names of everything. Uh, and I and I wish that that libs would spend less time focusing on optics and statues and uh, old flags and, and more time trying to propose ideas that would be helpful to the Americans that are living today instead of crazy nonsense. That's never really even going to happen. But here we are. But just just the, the best way I can shut down this whole craziness over the the uh, Betsy Ross flag that Nike doesn't want to have on its shoes because Colin Kaepernick says, so Colin Kaepernick's a moron. Let's start with that. But uh, here, someone explain to me how this flag could be so racist and a white nationalist symbol when there were two, that's right, two Betsy Ross flags on display at Barack Obama's second inaugural in 2013. That's right, at his inaugural address, folks. Barack Obama had Betsy Ross flags hanging in the background. Oh, good heavens. We must all be just, how, how can we deal with this? That's just so, so shocking. I guess no one told Obama that these were evil white nationalist symbols and they were just hung up behind him. Or, or Colin Kaepernick is an idiot and Nike is run by cowards and the social justice warriors are running around drunk with power and completely oblivious 
to any sense of integrity or intellectual honesty, that they just don't care. I mean, here, Mitch McConnell, Cocaine Mitch, he's having none of it, my friends. Cocaine Mitch, he doesn't play no games. He's not wearing Nike anymore. He's an Adidas guy, Cocaine Mitch, I can tell. Here's what he had to say, play 16. So if we're in a political environment where the American flag has become controversial to Americans, I think we got a problem. I hope Nike either releases these shoes or some other shoemaker uh, picks up the flag, puts it on a pair of shoes, and starts selling it. I'll make the first order. Mitch McConnell, fashion icon. You never, you never know what, what cocaine Mitch is going to be able to pull off. You never know how he's going to roll. So, yes, indeed. Uh, Mitch McConnell's correct that this was a stupid thing that they did. Oh, we've also got our buddy Newt. Newt a loot. Newtster. Newt Gingrich. Here's what he said about, about Nike and what they did here in this decision. I wonder if I should check if it's affected the stock price at all. Play 15. Parts of American corporate culture have now sold out, are so intimidated they do truly dumb things. What Nike did was truly dumb and a little sad. Uh, the idea that they are somehow embarrassed to have an original American flag coming out on the week of July 4th, give me a break. I think people at Nike should be ashamed, and I think the Nike stockholders ought to be demanding that they change their position. It raises a good point. That this, you know, this could, I didn't even know the noob was going to say that in that audio clip, but I, I wonder if this is going to hurt them a little bit. Sometimes this wokeness factor can be a, a liability for the stock price, can be a problem from the, the purely capitalist perspective. And I, I would not be surprised at all if this happened here. Uh, just one more quick note. I'm a little disappointed, folks, that uh, maybe there was no way around this, but, you know, Trump and the citizenship question, they've decided that they're not going to include the citizenship question in the, in the census. Uh, this is ridiculous. That's because the left doesn't want us to know how many illegal aliens there are. And, and you know, we're never going to get these answers, never allowed to. Here's what Trump said about it. Play 18. Nobody can believe this, but they spend billions of dollars on the census. And you're not allowed to ask. You go knock on doors of houses, check houses. You go through all this detail and you're not allowed to ask whether or not somebody is a citizen. It's a good question, folks. It's a question that should be in the it should be in the census, but it's not. But the administration is going to let it go now. It's a shame. We got more coming though. Oh my! Just in time for Fourth of July, Independence Day weekend. Here we go. The man himself, Jesse Kelly, all eight foot seven of him, joining us now on the Buck Sexton Show here in the Freedom Hut. If he can fit through the door, Jesse Kelly is in the mix. What is up, sir? Oh, Buck, I'm so happy for you that you get to talk to me. I, I agree. And, you know, I know that all of your fans down on KPRC in Houston, where you're on from uh, six, 6 to 9, I believe, Eastern during the week or something close to that, uh, they're a little little jealous right now because I'm getting some special special Jesse time. But nonetheless, my friend, I, I just want to start with, how's it, how's it feeling right now to not be part of Team Crazy, i.e. Uh, a Democrat? I feel like we got that going for us, which is nice. Oh, Buck, I've said it forever, and, and it, it's baffling to me how true it really is. All Democrats have to do is not be insane, and they can't do it. They, they simply cannot do it. I, I don't understand who's advising this party 
or maybe the truth of the matter is there's probably no big, you know, person over the top advising them. But every position that they could get out of step with the American people on, that's a position they not only take, but they go all in with it every time. Yes, let's just throw open the border now and call Border Patrol Nazis. Yeah, I feel like at some point they're going to have gone so far that there is no there is no ability to to go back toward the middle where nor, where normal Americans have their belief system <laughs> where they are politically. I, I think the Democrats are already there. I think when you're offering to give illegal aliens health care and then say, but they pay sales taxes, like no, that's not enough, folks. <laughs> you know, I I think that we've seen well. What we're seeing is the wiping out of the Democrat Party nationally. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that's a permanent thing. None of these things last forever. The the Democrats will come back to power at some point, but at least on a national level, that's just not going to happen. Like you said, they're so out of step with middle America, and I'm not one of these people that thinks, oh, everybody in middle America is a card-carrying Republican. That's not true. That's not true at all, but uh, but there's some level of sanity with swing voters. You know, someone who voted for Obama twice, but then switch, voted for Trump, not really sure. When you're standing up there on stage talking about transgender abortion rights, you're not speaking to that guy at all, and you're not even trying to. Yeah, you, it, makes, it makes you wonder at what point did Democrats stop reading the comment section of Vox.com and, and decide that they're trying to win elections with, with human beings who also are not exclusively composed of the thoughts in the comment section of Vox.com. But we're not, we're not quite there yet. I mean, today, my favorite thing today has been the, uh, the reality of what's happening here in D.C. With this, with this parade versus the way Democrats, including like, oh, I don't know, a tenured professor at Harvard suggesting that this is just like Tiananmen Square, Except for everything. <laughs> Except no, for not at all. It, 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 honestly, I don't know how Trump is this blessed. I mean, maybe he really is touched by God, Buck. I, I, I hate to be too hyperbolic, but what more could you ask for if you're Donald Trump than for enemies like the American press and the left like this? Anything he does, he could bend over and help up a sick puppy off the sidewalk, personally drive it over to an orphanage and hand it to a child who's recovering from cancer, and there would be 10 articles about how horrible Trump is to do it. And so he can do something like just have a stupid parade with a couple tanks and Bradley fighting vehicles, and the left will come out vehemently against it and make themselves look horrible. He's blessed to have people like this against him. I do think they make his job a lot easier. In fact, my, one of my concerns right now, as we, as we head into 4th of July, you think about what the left is putting out there into the universe and what and what conservatives and what Trump are putting out there. And, you know, they they don't want American flags on shoes or or versions of American flags on shoes. They find that highly offensive. They don't want any form of of military of military presentation during a, a Independence Day celebration, even though people have been pointing out all day, you know, Eisenhower and JFK and others. Plenty of presidents have had. Uh, military formations in parades, including uh, armored personnel carriers, tanks, etc. They, what do they offer people for Fourth of July? I mean, just what a great country France is. You start to wonder. 
Well, Buck, I hate to say this, and honestly, everybody knows I like to throw some bombs and have some fun, but I really genuinely hate to say this because I do love my country. We just saw that Gallup poll come out where it was 76% of Republicans are extremely proud to be Americans. Only 22% of Democrats are extremely proud to be Americans. We have to accept, and I don't like saying this either, we have to accept they are the anti-America party now. I don't like saying that. I used to, if you told me that 10 years ago, I'd tell you you were a nutball. Stop, stop being hyperbolic. But that is simply the truth, man. Even the party of Bill Clinton is long gone. You'd never hear Bill Clinton, for all his faults, stand up and say anything about America stinks and concentration camps and stuff like that. But that party is gone, man. It's long gone. It is long gone. Now it's just, I don't even know what the Democratic Party thinks it stands for. But all the things that we used to be able to say on the right, eventually they're going to be so crazy they're going to support this. They now support all those things. So it makes me wonder, you know, is, is this just going to get normalized over time? Like, is, is their version of crazy just going to numb us into a sense of uh, there's nothing we can do about this? You know, healthcare for illegal aliens. Uh, the, you know, you go down the list, 37 genders, 10-year-olds getting gender reassignment surgery, socialists openly running in the Democratic ticket. It's just, it feels like they're making it not as fun anymore, Jesse, because, damn it, now they're actually doing all the things they said they'd never do. Well, look, I mean, look, I don't want to be the resident cynic when it's the 4th of July show, but let's be honest, Buck, every slip of the slope argument has come to fruition. That's for one. For two, a wiser man than myself once said, if you want to know what the Republican Party's position is going to be in 20 years, Look at the current Democrat Party's position, and that is 100% accurate. The Democrats have lost this battle. They lost to Trump. They're going to lose even worse next time and maybe lose the next couple presidencies. But at some point in time, this insanity will inch its way into the mainstream, and we're going to wake up you and I 20, 30 years from now, and we'll be having a big old scotch in New York City and think, my goodness, man, we didn't know how good we had it back in 2019. <laughs> That's a, I get a little worried because I know that they will get crazier, but I can't even really anticipate the level of crazy that the left is going to be able to produce at this point. It's, it's like they're going to cross the streams. In 40 or 50 years, the Democrat nominee for president will be a genderless president, a, dem a genderless nominee. You mark my words, if it's even that far away. Oh, my gosh. Jesse Kelly, everybody. He's a host down at KPRC Houston of the Jesse Kelly Show, which you can also download on, on fine podcasting apps and such all over the place. Jesse, let's talk 4th of July for a second. Now, now, you and I tend to agree on things that matter. I don't know if we agree on all the things that don't matter, like, for example, your feelings about keto diet uh I, you know I, I i don't know i gotta look into this more you tell me this my friend um are parades fun are fireworks fun <sighs> all right dang it don't don't pander don't pander to this audience okay look let's be honest here people parades suck parades have sucked basically forever since the invention of the television and podcasts and Buck Sexton's radio show to go stand in one spot with a bunch of other sweaty, smelly people 
for three hours as the kids are screaming and there's a parade float, which is a bunch of ribbons sitting on top of somebody's 1981 Chevy van is not a great time. It will never be a great time. The only time it was ever a great time is when you were bored out of your mind in small town America in 1960 and there was nothing else to do and hadn't been anything else to do since Christmas. That was the only time parades were ever worth a crap ever. I'm not a parade guy, so here we go. We agree on this one, too. And now, I know for you, fireworks, there's the audio component of it, which is lots of booms, but most people like the visual. Fortunately, you can always see the fireworks, Jesse. And I know it's fun for kids, so we keep the kids out of this for now because if the kids enjoy it, you're a parent, right? You want to have your kids have fun. That's fine. But for an adult, I feel like you've seen one set of fireworks. You've seen them all. You've seen them all. None of them are impressive, but I will qualify this. This is where we're going to disagree. The problem, the reason everyone hates fireworks now, and I get stuck in the same trap, is everybody goes to an organized fireworks display. Whether you're in a big city, small town, whatever it may be, your area has an organized July 4th fireworks thing. And that's what sucks. You can't park. It takes forever to get in, to get out. It's a nightmare. People are drunk. Someone makes an idiot of himself. Then there's 10 minutes of fireworks, and then it's over. It's another three hours to get home, and you're two hours past your bedtime. The only time fireworks are fun is if you are in the country and you take a couple hundred bucks with you and your buddies, pull all your money together, go set all your fireworks out on a big piece of plywood in the middle of a field, sit on the back of someone's pickup truck with one or 12 beers, and set off all the fireworks. Now that's fun. Fireworks done by oneself, or rather with a group, but done by one's own hand, as long as you manage to keep all your hands, folks, be careful, safety first. Don't be like some of those folks out there who think that an M80 is is a toy. It actually does have explosive does have explosive in it, and it's something you need to be careful with. That I could see being entertaining, but I do not understand. I mean, right here in DC, there are people. Look, I, whatever whatever folks enjoy on on their Fourth of July celebration, and you know, more power to them. But there's going to be rain outside tomorrow, and there's going to be four hour long lines for some of these events. That's just not my jam. I, I find a nice, quiet spot on the roof, and I drink some Mezcal. Yes. I don't, look, I don't know what Mezcal is. <laughs> I always call it Mezcal because I'm from Texas, but that's your call, brother. I think you must be right. That probably is the way to say it. See, I'm from, the, I'm from New York, and we've just learned about this magic elixir that you people from closer to the border have known about for quite some time. It's, it's wonderful. You know what's really funny is we probably shouldn't say this on the 4th of July book, but Mexican food and beer is some of the best in the world. Mexican beer, in fact, is the best beer in the world. And I know every German's freaking out, Americans are Think about the list of Mexican beers out there. Coronas and Dos Equis and Modelos and Tecates and all. And we haven't even gotten to the hard liquor of the tequilas and stuff like that. Mexicans know how to drink and they know how to eat big time. Jesse Kelly, everybody, of The Jesse Kelly Show. Uh, you should check out a show if you have not already, and you should enjoy freedom the same way that Jesse does, which is all the time, 24-7, but especially on Independence Day weekend. Mr. Jesse Kelly, you, your fam, and all your folks down in Texas, you have a fantastic one, and we'll be in touch as soon as the holiday of freedom is over. Enjoy the fireworks, Buck. All right, my friend. Talk soon. And team, we'll be right back. 
Look, we are building out a large coalition program from Latinos for Trump, Black Voices for Trump, uh, the faith base, all kinds of different coalitions. That's an important thing for us to do. We need to turn out those voters. I think the Republican Party is on a straight course to more victories, uh, win back the House, grow lead in the Senate, and have four more years of President Trump. I think we're in very good shape, folks, for 2020, but I don't want to... I don't want to celebrate early. You know, one of my one of my things is that if you celebrate early, you just set yourself up for psychological ruination when you lose focus and lose. Um, you know, it's 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 important stuff not to get caught up in what could happen before it happens here. But I I, I do think um, I do think that Trump right now is in really, really good position for 2020. That was Brad Parscale was talking about how they're building out large coalitions. And, you know, this time around, you got to remember, not only does the president have the power of the incumbency behind him. Look, and this is stuff I want to tell you before we go off into Fourth of July weekend, because no one else really going to tell you this. You know, on radio and in media in general, and I think in, well, it's it's true in all news media. I was going to say it's mostly conservative. It's true in all news news media. But on radio as a general proposition, you know, people want to tell you, about what's bad, what's scary, what's going wrong. That's what generates attention. Also, you know, you need an an essential element of story is conflict. An essential element of telling a story worth hearing is there has to be, you know, the possibility of one side defeating another or loss or or just there there has to be conflict, opposing forces. It can't just be, oh, you know, and then we went for a walk down by the river and the sun was shining and things were lovely and we danced around and ate a bunch of sugar plums and whatever. So that's why I, I generally don't spend a lot of time, and neither does anyone else you listen to on radio or podcast, on all the good stuff that's going on. But I would say to you, as we head into this Independence Day weekend, let's just all take a moment to realize that right now is a great time to be an American. Uh, you could say it's always been a great time to be an American, but you know we're, we're not sending hundreds of thousands of our men in uniform into you know warfare in the Pacific or in in Western Europe and we're not uh, staring down a highly nuclear armed global menace in the Soviet Union we seem to have at least for the time being been able to suppress the virus of radical Islam uh, around the globe at least as it when it comes to a major terrorist attacks against us so it's it's a very good time for this country. And you see so much negativity about Trump, and it just doesn't reflect the reality of what's going on. I mean, America has never been more prosperous, more advanced, and uh, in, in a lot of ways in a better position globally than it is right now. Uh, we are We're not in the midst of a major war. We do not seem to be on the precipice of entering a major war. Uh, we have a realistic shot at achieving a a peace that could last, at least peace for us. We can't make everyone else in the world peaceful, but peace for us that would last for years. Uh, the economy is absolutely booming. So it's, it's, I think, really worthwhile to, as you celebrate this weekend, just remember that it is, a, it is really, I'm saying this with an all honesty, it's just a great time to be an American. It really is. And Trump is responsible for some of that feeling right now because he's a particularly proud commander-in-chief, proud leader of the free world of this country. 
And then, you know, you start to look at what's going to happen as we get deeper into the election cycle, as we get deeper into, you know, the, the fight over um, the fight over 2020. The good news is, as Newt points out here, that the 2020 competition is not particularly strong. Play 13. Who poses the biggest threat on the left right now for the president, Speaker? No one. Uh, Look, if the economy stays good and the president stays focused, he's going to win. What I see building, if if you the other night when every single candidate raised their hand in favor of uh, tax paid health care for illegal immigrants, uh, you can't get much further away from the American people than they're getting. So in my mind, we're going to have a nominee of the Democratic Party. It will be a very left wing person uh, and they will have an almost impossible time defending their positions. Yep. Unless you have some economic catastrophe, unless you've got some big problem that comes up in in the election year, I think you're in very, very good shape. And uh, that means that we're going to have four more years of Trump, everybody. So just think about that as you're drinking your Mike's Hard Lemonade or your Budweiser or your margaritas or whatever, you know, your your non-alcoholic spritzer that you make yourself, whatever you got. It's a great time to be an American. Celebrate that this weekend. Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. That's right. It's Everybody was working for the weekend until this week when they're just working for Wednesday because now we all get to hang out. Hopefully, by the time you are listening to this, you will, in fact, be drinking some ice-cold brew. And that sounds like cold brew like coffee. Ice-cold brewskis is what I meant to say. And you will be eating some Freedom Burgers, which just means burgers made of meat. I don't even care how you cook them. I, I don't care if your burger's raw on the inside and charred black on the outside. I just want you enjoying a little taste of America. And that means some high-calorie, fatty, artery-clogging red meat, my man. Because we only, or lady, because we only live once. YOLO, Independence Day style. Uh, I did. T- I will tell you today that I, out of curiosity, folks, I do this so you don't have to. I make these concessions so that you don't have to trouble yourself with them. I did pick up one of these Beyond Meat Burgers today in Whole Foods, like the bougie, urban, sophisticate that I am. I I, I got it, though, alongside a wonderful dry-aged ribeye that I'm going to be making uh, tomorrow as well as a bunch of burgers that I'm going to be making the next day. And so don't worry, I'm not turning in my buck card here, all right? I'm still a red meat aficionado and a very, very solid to above average grill chef. Uh, But I will tell you that I I feel like I have to try these Beyond Meat burgers so then I can effectively make fun of them because people, people claim, and they seem like otherwise normal human beings, they claim that the Beyond Meat burger, quote, tastes almost as good as the real thing. And I need to put this controversy to rest 
before it spreads even further. Mark, have you ever had one? I have not, but I would be willing to try it. Right? I mean, I, that's exactly. I'm, I'm not closed-minded. I know it's not going to be as good as a burger. I know it's not going to be as good as one of those burgers that they would flip out at you at the lunchroom that looks like it, the surface of the moon on top, you know, and they have the, the bun that's been in deep storage for like six years, but it never changes color. It's, you know, even that burger is probably better than Beyond Meat Burger, but I got to try it. Got to try it. I don't, I don't want to be a phony and come up here and tell you, oh, Beyond Meat, because I've had all these other meat substances. Anyway, so if you're a vegetarian, enjoy. I don't know how you do it, but enjoy. And you'll probably live longer than all of us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mark, what is your go-to? If you can put, if, if I give you two things to put on the grill, but it can only be two different things. Forget, and I'm talking about, obviously, proteins, because sides don't count. You can have all the sides you want. What are your two proteins? I mean, we go in burger, chicken, steak, ribs. What do you do? Definitely a burger, a good hamburger on a charcoal grill. There's nothing better. And I'm going to go with ribs here. I'm, see, this is the thing. I'm a steak guy, but if we're really barbecuing, I mean, if we're outdoors barbecuing and someone's doing ribs properly, I don't know, I don't know if it gets any better than that in life. I don't, know if there's a, I don't know if it's possible to improve on that delicious smoky taste. And yes, I think the burger, for, for barbecue purposes, the burger is the ultimate. Right? If we're talking about the ultimate meat, well, then maybe I got to go with steak. But if we're talking barbecue, then I think you go with burgers. All right, so with that, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton is how we do our roll call action, which is always fun, always fantastic. Let's get to it, shall we? Harry writes, have a happy Independence Day. I really love your show. Well, Harry, darn it. You have a happy Independence Day, too, my friend. I really, really mean this. I appreciate it. Everyone who listens to this show, who likes this show, I am thankful for you. I appreciate your time. It is very meaningful to me that you're willing to listen to me and you're willing to be a part of Team Buck. And you appreciate this because I appreciate you. And that's that's from the bottom of my heart. That's all. That's as as real as I can get. And that's true about all of you listening to the show. I'm a little, I'm a little, little thankful. This is, you know, around Independence Day and then around my birthday slash Christmas, which are close to each other. I get a little, I get a little, a little emotional about how much Team Buck means to me and how much you guys have, in many cases, been with me for years and years now. And also makes me realize talking about all this meat and te- talking about Team Buck, we do have to do a, a meetup somewhere. Uh, I, I will be at the. Oh, oh, oh. I will be at the Trump International Hotel tomorrow night, which is Thursday night. I'll be there probably from 7 p.m. to 8.30 or 9 p.m., I'd say, depending on the mezcal situation. Thank you, Jesse Kelly. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. So that's if you if you want to come by and say hi, there'll be a lot of people there. There'll be a lot of security there. There'll be a lot of stuff going on, people from Trump world and uh, I'm not going to be the only dude there or lady there that you you know from Fox and all that. There'll be a lot of people running around. But if you're in the D.C. area, show up at uh, the Trump International. We'll take photos. We'll hang out. We can uh, drink adult beverages and rock out. Let the good times roll. Adam, right? The movie you referenced yesterday was So I Married an Axe Murderer. It's with Mike Myers, Shields High. Adam, you are correct. If you want my body and you think I'm sexy, come on, baby, let me know. It's actually pretty close to what Mike Myers sounds like. He was that was he got so far on a Scottish accent on his weird. Mike Myers is really one of the most talented comedians 
of his generation. Uh, he really was. He was incredible. I, I, I People used to think that Dana Carvey did better impressions, but I, if you look at the the record of their work, um, if you look at the record of their work, then I could tell you that you know, I think Dana Carvey was very talented, too. But Mike Myers is one of the most successful comedians of, of my lifetime. I mean, he's not quite in Robin Williams territory uh, in terms of acclaim. But if you're looking at financial and franchise success, Mike Myers was incredible. The Wayne's Worlds, uh, Austin Powers. I mean, he was a, you know, he was a very, very talented guy. And, and never see. I mean, I know he's a lib. They're all libs, right? But didn't seem like a, I probably shouldn't. No, I just realized, didn't he do the, He's probably done some really annoying videos. Forget about that. It's, it, politics always makes situation. You know, it is what it is. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure that Mike Myers probably has videos and things he's done that I I would hate. All right, Dale writes Buck. Her and Doctor Strange Glove mentioned or Strange Love, <laughs> Buck. It's not Strange Glove, Sexton. Get it through your head. Mentioned a couple of times in the show over the last couple of weeks. I really think you'd find it entertaining. It's a Kubrick film, essentially a black comedy about a catastrophic nuclear incident during the Cold War. Cast includes George C. Scott and Peter Sellers playing three roles, an English RAF officer, the President of the United States, and Dr. Strange Glove himself. Strange Love, Buck! Get it together, man! Get it together, lad! Uh, a lot of classic lines in the film. I never get tired of watching it and don't think it would be a waste of your time. Shields, hi. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll watch it over this break. I'm going to have a little bit of time on my hands. Uh, maybe maybe now is the time for me to give it a go and uh, check out some Dr. Dr. Strangelove stuff. See, I said it right that time. Also, you know what I realized, folks? And this, there are some movies that I probably even shouldn't admit this to you. Some of you are going to be like, that's it. I'm out. Until Sexton catches up, I'm boycotting. Uh, but I have never seen Bridge, uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai or... Uh, and I've never seen Gettysburg. Two movies that I feel like are, are holes in my movie watching dumb. And I need to address both of those shortcomings. And I will, though. I will. Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne. I got a new... Damn it. What, what, are, the, what are the lyrics again? We did this before. Nirvana. Hey, Wayne. Um, I got a new complaint. Right, that's what it is. Mark, you're the you're the DJ. Yeah, hey Wayne, I've got a new complaint. Nothing? Fine, I'm, no I'm on my own. Sorry, I'm on my own here. Dwayne writes, maybe it's just me, but Cory Booker's reaction to Biden's hoodie remark seems the somewhat racist response. Young people of all ethnicities wear hoodies, all ethnicities and social classes. Yeah, you know, Dwayne, I, I got to tell you, I, I think that Cory Booker was was reaching in that in that instance, really very obviously looking for any opportunity to bash Biden. And that's that's all it was. There was no good faith. There was no effort whatsoever in, um, you know, being fair minded to Biden. They just wanted to trash Biden again. Old, old racist white guy was the narrative they were going for. Because uh, I don't think there was anything wrong with what Biden said. And I would tell you that, obviously. I'm not pro Biden. I just realize What's going on here? And I've been saying all along that Biden was never going to be the nominee. And I think that's quite that's quite clear. Uh, let's see here. Um, next up is Tyler listening to last night's broadcast on the blaze. 
Why would you reference the Scotsman fat bastard when talking about St. Patrick's Day, which is Irish? Keep up the good work. Shields high. I don't think, did I do that? I think we're just talking about St. Patrick's Day, and then I just decided to be loony here on the show and start doing a Mike Myers impression. Um, I thought you were doing fat bastard also, honestly. What, the if you want my body, you know. 100% thought that was fat bastard. Are you thought that was fat bastard? Dude. That bastard here is like, get in my belly. Get in my belly, you wee bunny lass. Um, that's a little bit of, it's a different, although it actually is pretty much the same accent now that you guys say that. I mean, Mike Myers got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of mileage rather out of, out of all those. Um, but, you know, the Scots and Irish, there's a lot of crossover there. There's some, uh, I forget how it went, but the Scots were colonizing ireland and you know there was all kinds of stuff that happened there i don't remember the i don't remember the details i'm not a details kind of guy about it but i got some stuff john writes hey buck lovely so i married an axe murder reference piper down also does anyone call you head great show it's got a giant head it's like sputnik it's got its own solar system uh john I'm, I'm, I didn't realize there's so many So I Married an Axe Murder fans in this audience, so that makes me very happy. You people are catching this one. Left. It wasn't a big box office hit or anything, but people who like it really like it, and it was, a, it was one of Mike Myers' better films. All right, we come back. We got more Roll Call on the way, in the mix. Stay right there. The show ain't over yet, folks. It's time for Roll Call. I always feel like that Roll Call is a little bit of like Vegas flash. I'm going out to Vegas in a couple weeks, turns out. I'm going to be in Vegas uh, for the Freedom Fest, I think it's called, which might as well just be called Buck Fest. But uh, Freedom Fest in Vegas is in two weeks or so. I got to go out there, do some things. I got to see about some stuff, talk to some people, you know, do a little, do a little razzle-dazzle, as one does. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm planning. And like I said, if you if you are going to be in the D.C. area, I will be at the Trump International Hotel tomorrow for Eric Bowling's show. And by all means, come over and say hello. Say hello to my little friend. Just like that. Max. Hey, Buck. So you married an axe murderer. We all make mistakes. Whoa, man. Whoa, man. Time and introspection may have you wondering why you never investigated the only offer you have of correcting your celiac. Oh, wow. Interesting. All right, Max, you think you can cure my celiac disease? I'm going to give you an email address. Let's see. Let's see what you can send me, my friend. That sounds like fun. Let's let's try this. Steve writes, always listen to your show at work and listen to the percentage of voters. 80% in Australia. It's mandatory voting here. They're fined if they don't work. Crazy to compare mandatory to volunteer when voting. Shield size. Steve, you know, I, I'd forgotten that point, and that's a very important point. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. You're correct. It's also just a dumb point. I, I don't think that voting percentage is a sign of a great country or a not great country. I think people should vote if they want to vote. I think that part of freedom is not being forced to vote if you don't want to. Gina writes, hey, Buck. I agree with you a thousand percent on parades. We spent five years in New Orleans and overdid it on Mardi Gras every year. The crowds, the parking hell, the lack of bathrooms, and the 10 deep on the route did us in. Uh, likewise, fireworks have lost their luster now that my kids are grown, but have to disagree on bagpipes. Nothing beats a lone piper on a hill. 
Playing outlawed tunes on outlawed pipes stirs my soul. Check out Thunderstruck on Pipes Guy on YouTube. Maybe it'll make you smile. Shields high. All right, Gina. I will take all of that under advisement. And I think you're right on most of the stuff. So, yeah, we'll take it. Thank you so much. Man, New Orleans, Mardi Gras. New Orleans is a great town. I got to get back down there. It's been a while since I've been in New Orleans. Buck, shields high. And yes, you keep me safe and warm at night, but I digress. I bet you know this. It is not the case that the Oriental is all about respect and saving face. I think our President Trump is crazy like a fox by stopping by the DMZ while he was in the neighborhood a mere 500 miles away from Osaka, Japan, and giving Kim Jong-un some respect, whether deserved or not, to nudge him toward the joining of nations. Uh, Wish I was OSS, Paul. Well, Paul, we'll make you honorary OSS up in Michigan. And let's see here. Um, Next up on the list, James. Right. I think I already heard you about the media. The lib media like CNN side with Antifa because it's their posse. They use Antifa to silence conservative speech. The lib media and Antifa are the fascists because they want to have their voices heard and no one else's. Lib media uses Facebook for the same thing. Facebook is fascist uh, and one sided. I don't see Facebook giving Facebook jail to Antifa Facebook pages. Shields high up on WGY in New York. Big up to WGY New York. Hope you're all listening up there. Continue to listen up there because it's a great heritage station in New York State, my home state. And uh, James, yeah, they they don't think of Antifa as as the threat that they should. And there's definitely a bizarre, um, you know, fondness for Antifa from a lot of libs. That's the or I shouldn't say fondness a. A, a kind of sympathy that they show Antifa that they would never show anybody on the right. All right, everybody, that's it, man. We're going to be off for a couple of days. It'll be a best of show tomorrow, I think Friday. We'll be back on Monday. You have your orders over for this Independence Day. I really want you to have a restful, joyous, and fantastic Independence Day weekend. Please be safe. Please be careful out there if you're going to play with fireworks. But uh, run around with some American flags, sit by the pool, barbecue some steaks, do whatever you do. Just do it. Shields high.